the pruning work of the Father in the disciples' heart. The pruning work of the Father in the disciples' heart. John 15, verses 1 through 6. Passage we've been reading for the last just over a month now. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Father, we are grateful to you for the word. We are grateful to you for this awesome truth about every believer in this room, what you have made us to be and to enjoy and to become. Open our spiritual eyes to understand this truth today, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In our study in the last few weeks, we have wondered, after reading John 14, what picture Jesus would draw if he were to draw a picture of a true disciple or follower of his, not before the cross, but after the cross and death and resurrection of Jesus. What does discipleship look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus in a day when I can't see him with my physical eyes or hear him with my ears? How do I function as a disciple? In John 15, what we've seen so far is that if Jesus drew a picture of a disciple, he would draw a picture of branches and a vine. We disciples are the branches. He is the vine. And as those branches abide in that vine, they receive from that vine everything they need in every moment of their life, everything that's required, everything that they could ever want or desire, they receive from that vine, and the consequence of that is fruit, real fruit. And we have been, week by week, taking that apart piece by piece, seeking to understand what Jesus was teaching. We've seen the inner life of the disciple, that what abiding is describing is something that happens not in your outer person, but in your inner person, that there's a relationship that you can have with Jesus that is personal and private and intimate, and every believer has that as his or her birthright. And it's in that relationship that we commune with Christ, that we converse with Christ, and that out of that relationship, we go out into a world then where people see us, but not him. 
And, and because of our vision, our relationship with Jesus, we're able to produce fruit. We've explored what it means when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Last week, we explored what he means when he says, in me, abide in me, that he has become our environment, and that everywhere I go, I am in Christ, and you are in Christ if you know him. And that changes every situation you ever encounter. You may be in trouble, but you're in Christ in trouble, and that changes everything. Today, we want to take up this verse 2 discussion where Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What does that mean? What is he describing? You know, difficult times come in the life of every Christian, every believer, but they're not all the same, and they don't occur for the same reasons. And pruning is one of those experiences that can be interpreted as a really difficult time. And if I don't understand what the Father is doing, if I don't recognize that this experience is not like other experiences, that the Father is accomplishing something, the Father is doing something, and that we're, we should call it pruning. If I'm ignorant of the Father's heart and the way he looks at me and the way he values me and what he is wanting to accomplish in me and through me, if I'm ignorant of his heart, if I'm ignorant of what he's after, what he's wanting to do in me and through me, I can very quickly become disillusioned, angry, bitter, hurt, confused by the experiences and circumstances that are swirling around me. So why does that happen? I mean, at the very least, if, even if I'm not hurt, I may react to that experience in such a way that I am praying in the wrong direction and I am working in the wrong direction from what the Father wants to do. How can that be avoided? This is especially true, all these things are especially true when he is working in our heart in a process called pruning. And that deserves at least three questions that we ought to ask about pruning this morning. The first question is this, what is pruning? What is pruning? In the last half of verse 1, he says, my father is the vine dresser. If we're a vineyard and he's the vine, then his branches, we live in the vine. But what is the Father doing in this relationship? Jesus says he is a vine dresser. He is, he is someone who's tending to the vine. Most translations use the words vine dresser. Some use the word gardener. Uh, some use the word husbandman. just depends on your translation. But the point is, is he's giving attention to us, the branches, and he's doing something. My Father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It's already bearing fruit, but he's going to prune it so it bears more fruit. I've got a video. There's no sound to it. I've got a video on the screen of a guy who's pruning grapevines. I want you to watch what he does. <coughs> when the vine dresser prunes, much care is taken to avoid harming or damaging the plant. In, or injuring it in any way. Now, the plant may disagree, don't you think? As you watch what he's doing, he's cutting away as much as 90% of last year's growth to get that vine ready to produce fruit. He's cutting away all kinds of material 
that he sees as unimportant, unnecessary, and not beneficial to the fruit that he wants to, to, uh, to produce. So the plant is being pruned. He's not being injured, but the plant may disagree as to whether it's a beneficial process. Jesus is saying, after these leaves are pruned away, after these little extensions from last year are pruned away, and just the, the canes that are going to produce the final fruit are remaining. He's saying that what you have just witnessed is what the Father is doing in your heart. That the function of the Father, what He is doing in this relationship that you have with Jesus Christ, is He enters into your life and He prunes away everything. And He is working to remove everything that hinders you from being fruitful in your life. Now, I've got another video. This one has audio to it. And to underscore this process of pruning, I want you to see what happens. That pruning occurs in the winter, sets the plant up for producing fruit. But there's pruning that goes on throughout the growing season. I want you to hear this young man as he talks about the early pruning process. Watch this. So today we're in the vineyards, and what we're doing is uh, it's called suckering. Suckering is just the removal of unwanted growth. So as we talked about pruning, where we prune to either one or two buds, which are two good fruiting buds, the vine uh, will throw off a bunch of other buds as well. So if you don't remove them, it takes the energy from the, the, the good buds or the fruiting buds that you do want to keep. So when you remove them, at this stage when they're young, you can actually just pull them off with your hand. And you end up getting quite a few suckers on older vines like this because the vine is always trying to... Uh, trying to push out more than what you necessarily want. So when we sucker, we remove all of the unwanted growth, plus anywhere where we have doubles. So any place where there's two buds on the same bud, we'll remove those as well. Um, with, uh, with suckering, it can go pretty fast at this stage. We typically do two suckerings. Uh, the first one is to, to get the vines in line, and the second one is to come back through about three or four weeks later to make sure we got everything. Uh, and everything's clean and all the energy now can go into these fruiting buds and these fruiting buds are what's going to have good quality fruit everything I took off would have have fruit of lesser quality for the most part so this is just a quality assurance and allows us to really focus the vines energy into growth and then at some point uh, put out and produce uh, good quality fruit so Jesus is saying that the pruning process that he's involved in with you and me is very similar to that just as that vine dresser goes through and removes all of the growth that's just going to suck life from the vine it's going to go places that will not produce quality fruit it's going to produce leaves by the way branches are very good at producing leaves we're going to talk about that in a moment and and so jesus is saying that what the father's doing in your life is like that and so what is he doing well we haven't defined abiding spent a whole sermon on abiding we haven't spent a whole sermon on on uh, what is fruit and bearing of fruit. We're going to talk more about that later. But let me just say this. That the fruit is only produced when we abide in the vine. Jesus' life is absolutely essential for us to produce the fruit that he desires from you and me. That fruit is the manifested life of Jesus Christ through us. Our character, our actions, our works begin to reflect the life of Jesus Christ in us. That's fruit. And what the Father wants 
is for that fruit to be manifest in you and me. And anything that hinders the formation of that fruit is going to go down in the pruning process. If you and I don't understand what the Father's after, we're going to be confused in some of those moments that we call pruning. So what is pruning? Pruning is removing everything that hinders the formation of the fruit. But there's a second question we need to ask. Why does he prune? Why does he prune at all? Well, look at verse 2. The question's answered. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And we saw that in the winter pruning. He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what triggers his activity? According to Jesus, there's two conditions that trigger the activity of the Father. The first one is non-fruit-bearing branches. The second one is fruit-bearing branches. So let's deal with the first one first. It probably causes the most concern for people because of the implications of what is being said. Non-fruit-bearing branches. We're going to call these branches that don't produce fruit. We have to call them false disciples or, or, or believers that are not true believers. False disciples. He says he takes them away. The branch that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And there's a couple of possibilities for the meaning of that word, takes away. Some commentators, if you dig down into what other people have written and said about this passage, some will say that that word take away means to lift up. And so what's being described is that you have a branch that's on the ground, and as it produces fruit, that contact with the ground will not be good for the fruit. It'll be hidden from the sun, and that won't be good for the fruit. And so what he does is he, he lifts up this branch. It's not bearing fruit. Well, there's not a vine dresser anywhere that does that. Um, what we saw, we've already seen pictured, is that, and we'll see it more clearly here in a moment, is that when a branch is not producing fruit, that sucker is gone. He cuts it, doesn't he? He trims it off. And all that waste goes in the, in the rows between the vines, and it's gathered up later, and it's burned in the fire. In fact, that's exactly what we read in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, what's the qualification for producing fruit? You can't produce fruit unless you what? Abide. He said if someone's not abiding, what does that mean? They're not producing fruit. That's the condition of verse 2. When verse 6, what happens? He says if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That hasn't changed for 2,000 years. And so while vines are elevated and vines are cultivated and vines are produced on, sometimes on, on uh, trellises and on cables and things to help them grow and mature, if a vine is not producing fruit, if that branch is not producing fruit, it is cut off. What are the implications of this? Well, are these people Christians who are losing their salvation? I think that's a question that has to be asked. Uh, There are actually people who interpret this passage that way. And there are different reasons why they do that. Um, One of those is it says in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in, well, back in verse 2 it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit says in me. And there are some people that will say, well, if a branch is in him, they're saved. If they're not in him, they're lost. And so they will interpret that passage based just on that phrase to say that this is telling, saying that Christians 
once saved are not always saved and that they can be cut off and be lost. One of the interesting things that John does in his gospel that the other gospels don't do as much of is he, he often draws a distinction between those who believe and those who really believe. Between those who are disciples who abide in his word and disciples who don't abide in his word. And, and he makes that distinction in his gospel. For example, in John chapter 10, verse 26, he says, But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Jesus said there are people who are sheep, and there are people who, who may look like sheep, they may sound like sheep, they may even act like sheep, but they're not sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's a huge difference between a sheep that follows a shepherd and one that doesn't. One gets lost. The other one stays close to the shepherd. And so uh, John underscores again and again that those who belong to Jesus will always belong to Jesus, that the energy expended to keep them in Christ comes from Christ himself, and that he holds them in his hand. We don't hold on to him with our hand. And so, but Jesus did talk about the possibility of false disciples. People who say they believe and who are not disciples in Matthew 13. One of the ones he tells is the, the story of the, the wheat and the tares. Do you remember that parable? The wheat and the tares. It's a story of a man who planted a field of wheat. And an enemy came, it says. And overnight he planted tares, poisonous uh, plants that look like wheat when they're just coming out of the ground, but they grow up and they can be distinguished in the harvest. When the workers woke up the next morning, they saw these sprouts coming up, and they realized what some of them were. They said, you want us to go out and pull these up? You want us to make this distinction now and try to figure out in the church who's a real Christian, who's not a real Christian? Jesus said, and the farmer said, no, don't do that. He said, you wait till the harvest. You wait till the end of the time. Father will do that. The Father will do that. I can't know a person's heart. I can't look at your heart and tell you with absolute certainty, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. I can't do that. No human being on earth can do that for you, but the Father can. And he knows who belongs to him, and he knows who doesn't belong to him. John put it this way in John 6, verse 66, which I think is an interesting combination of numbers. By the way, way the world did not end last night. We're all still here. Jesus taught some things that some of his followers didn't like. It says, from that time, many of his disciples, whose disciples were they? His disciples. They had a relationship with him. Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And so John makes a distinction between disciples who abide in his word, who follow him, who stay with him, and those who walk away from him. They are not the same. And that seems to be continuing here. So, what triggers the activity of the Father? Well, the first one is false discipleship. False discipleship. He lifts them up. He cuts them off. He, he puts them in the discard pile. And that is a warning. And it should not be taken lightly. But then there's another activity that, that, that triggers the Father. These are branches that are bearing fruit, fruit-bearing branches. They have a relationship with the vine. They are connected to the vine. And they are have abided in the vine to such an extent that they're bearing some fruit. They are manifesting something of the life of God, the life of Christ. That tells me 
And then look at what happens. It says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. What does that tell you the Father's bottom line is in the pruning process? More fruit. He's serious about fruit. And he's all about that. He wants this fruit to be produced in your life and, and in my life. So the Father knows. And so if we're asking the question, why does he prune? Jesus is teaching that only by abiding can I produce fruit. If I'm going to produce more fruit, what do I need to do more of? If only by abiding I can produce fruit. If I'm going to produce more fruit, what do I need to do more of? I need to abide more. Abiding is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is communion with him. It is your inner life with him. It is your inner conversation with him. And the Father wants to draw you to a place where that becomes the center point of your entire life. And so the pruning process is involved in removing everything that hinders that fellowship that he wants you to have with his son, with Jesus. The Father knows that abiding is the key, not producing. So many times you and I as Christians work so hard to produce that we miss the fact that he says the fruit comes when you abide. If you want to work at anything, work at abiding. Don't try to work at fruit bearing. That comes from the life of Jesus as we abide in him. So branches are, are very good at producing leaves. I said that earlier. They're very good at producing leaves and bad fruit. The goal is to let the concentrated life of the vine flow through the branch to achieve the Father's goal, fruit, more fruit, and then much fruit. I brought with me today some pruning shears, and, um, and I have used them. My wife uses them more than I do on the plants. And, um, and these, are, these pruning shear, shears have been well used. And listen. The Father has shears that he uses. And he prunes away those things that hinder our fellowship or our abiding with the Son. Now, I need to say a few words about this pruning process. Um, the pruning that the Father does in your life and my life is not the same thing as correction or discipline or chastisement. If you go to your Bible later and read Hebrews chapter 12, you'll read about chastisement or discipline. The father disciplines the son that he loves. He disciplines his children. And discipline or chastisement that you'll read about in Hebrews 12 and other parts of Scripture is about sin. When I have been disobedient, when my will is conflicting with the Father's will, chastisement is how the Father corrects me and deals with me so that I won't do that again in much the way that a parent corrects their own child. And we're told in Proverbs, don't despise the discipline of your father, of your parent. Now, what you need to hear me say is that pruning is not that. Pruning is not God doing something in your heart because you've done something wrong. These branches are already bearing fruit. They're doing something right. 
They're not doing something wrong. So the pruning process is not about the Father correcting you because you've done something you shouldn't have done. It is all about the Father bringing you to a deeper and fuller and more intense and intimate relationship with His Son. So discard the concept that pruning is chastisement. His pruning, this word that's used, every branch that bears fruit He prunes, that word prune means, can mean clean. To clean a branch is the same thing as to prune a branch. And, and so in the very next verse, in, in, um, in verse 3, we're going to talk about this in a moment. He says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. That word clean in verse 3 and prune in verse 2 is the same word. It's the same word. And so he's, he's cleaning or removing something in my life that hinders the formation of fruit or my relationship with him. Now, his pruning is going to remove everything that hinders that abiding relationship. Can I perhaps offer two or three examples? It's not about sin, but there are things in your life that can substitute, interfere, and draw away you from the central relationship in your life. For example, there may be substitutes for a love relationship with Jesus. You're in love with Jesus. You may be saved today. You trusted him. He's your Lord and Savior. If I asked you point blank, you would say it and you would mean it. I love Jesus with all my heart. But you know how quickly you discover that he's not the only thing you love? When something is removed. Then you discover you love something else. Now, I say this very carefully because there are times in our life where we experience loss. And not all of those are about pruning. In fact, what I, I need to make very clear, in, and I'll do so in the, next, uh, in the next question, is that pruning is internal, and pruning has to do with your heart. And not every circumstance that comes is something the Father has brought because He's just wanted to, to prune you. But I will tell you this, He's at work in everything that happens. He's at work in everything that comes. He's at work in every circumstance that occurs in your life to draw you more fully and closely to Him. So there are some things that need to go. I remember, um, I don't have to remember too much, but, you know, along the way, before I met the hot blonde, you know, I had one or two relationships that were not right for me. And I'm getting over into the next point just a little bit, but can I just tell you that eventually I began to realize that what God wanted from me to be as a husband and what he wanted from any woman that I would marry is that we would have a relationship where Jesus Christ was the center of that relationship and that in this particular relationship I had that was not the case Jesus was not the center of that relationship guess what happened to me I got pruned and sometimes it's really hard to let go of those things and let go of those relationships but substitutes for my love relationship with him I expect he's going to prune those. Things that I'm passionate about, things that I love. Does that mean God just wants me to be unhappy? No. But listen, you can only have one God in your life. And he wants you to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And anything that's a competition for his affection, dear one, may be a target for pruning. It may not be sinful in itself. But it may be an object for pruning. Substitutes for trusting him. 
can be pruned out of our life. Things that you're trusting in. Yeah, I trust Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But then let him take away something you're trusting in. Something else you're trusting in. A retirement account. Um, a certain event taking place. A certain set of circumstances taking place. A certain person or individual being there that you thought would be there. and Let that be removed from your life or pruned from your life. Substitutes for trusting him. Substitutes for following him. How many pastors I've talked to over the years, and, and this pastor included, where ministry can actually become a substitute for a relationship with Jesus? The ministry can be. And if it can happen to a pastor, don't you know it can happen to you? Where I can get so involved in Christian activity and so involved in Christian work that my relationship with Jesus just shrivels and shrivels and shrivels and shrivels up. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus that's white hot, you don't have a ministry. You may fool a lot of folks, but eventually that'll catch up with you. And so substitutes for following him. These are the leaves that can bleed, us, bleed off and distract us from that abiding communion with Jesus that he wants us to have and that he wants us to be central. So what is pruning? Pruning is removing everything that hinders the formation of the fruit. Why does he do it? He does it to produce more fruit so that all of that life, all of that energy you kept hearing about on the Examples in the video will go into producing fruit. So here's the third question, my last question. How does he prune? How does he prune? Prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. And then verse 3, he says this, and it's really interesting. There are some Bible scholars that think this verse was added later. Maybe it should not be a part of the original text. You know, this is such an extraordinary word dropped right in the middle of this that that, that kind of works against that concept. This, this is a word from Jesus, and, and he's saying something to us as he says something to his disciples. The Father prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You, my disciples listening to me right now in John 15, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So if the Father prunes the branches so they can bear more fruit, Jesus turns to his disciples, standing right there, says, you've already been pruned. How did he do it? By the word which I spoke to you. All the teaching of Jesus over those previous three years had brought those disciples to a place where they were willing to follow him anywhere, anytime, any place. They had come to a relationship where it was just them and Jesus, and they had sacrificed everything to follow him. You were already clean. You've been pruned. Now, was the Father done pruning in their life? No. But Jesus was saying, at this moment, this is like the winter pruning. I have cleared away 90% of everything that needs to be removed out of your life. And now, dear brothers, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. What I want you to see is that this pruning activity is the Father's work. It's something the Father does. You cannot prune yourself. But he does it through his word. How does he prune a branch? When we've seen there's an initial pruning that occurs when you're saved. And there's a lot that gets cut away at that moment that prevents you from having a relationship and a communion with Jesus Christ. But that pruning continues. And um, you're ready to bear fruit when you're saved. But as the growing season occurs, there's an ongoing pruning process that, that occurs, and we saw that even in the early stages where that young man talked about they took the suckers off. The vine wants to produce all this other material, but 
but he was taking that away so that it would produce just those buds that would produce the healthiest fruit. There's a summertime pruning process, and I want you to listen to this gentleman as he talks about what happens even in the course of the the growing season with the vines. Watch this. Uh, Of what the other side looked like. And we're going to be working on this tomorrow. The entire vineyard needs to be dealt with in, in this manner. As you can see, some of these are growing out like this. This is actually not what I want to see. I don't want to see them growing out like this. Not at this time, when the berries need all the energy they can possibly get. As I come along and I cut these off, and as you notice, you say, gee, how do you know where to cut it off? You'll notice that you can't see this, but uh, each one of these cordones has seven shoots on it. I'll just show you one shoot. There's a shoot right there. There is a shoot. And each shoot has two bunches on it. And each shoot should carry about 17 leaves. And now I'm not gonna go around and count every leaf on every shoot. Uh, that would take forever to do that. So we have an idea that this top wire right here, about a foot and a half past it, is about 17 leaves on it. So that's why I can come along here and cut all these guys. You can see all the seconds on here. This has to be done, pulled off, and they just come off. And what we leave is everything below this wire. So there's a nice bunch, two bunches per shoot. There's one there, there's one. Here's one on this one, there's one, two. Sometimes a little above, not much. Here again. And we don't like them too close together or touching because they create bunch rot. So all these will come off, anything above the line, all these things. You can see the the difference in that very and these. This, this is a good time to come along and take them off before they get too big and too much energy goes to them. But you can see the difference in two. They feel different. There's a growing that's produced by subtraction. There's a growing that's produced by subtraction. <clears throat> Events may happen to you. Circumstances may come into your life. Do not assume that you understand what it is about. Don't assume that just because something's difficult, this is a pruning experience. And you say, well, pastor, how can I know when something is just suffering that is growing my faith or chastisement that's correcting me because of sin or is this pruning pruning that's removing something from my life so that I can have a deeper and richer and fuller relationship with Jesus Christ. How can I tell the difference? According to Jesus in verse 3, there will always be a word that the Father is the one who does the pruning, but the tool that he uses is the Word of God. And only as he gives you a word will you understand how to respond to that circumstance and to know what it is that needs to change. I gave that example of me as a teenager, as a young adult, reaching a conclusion that I didn't need to be in a certain kind of relationship. How did I reach that conclusion? I reached it as I read the Word of God 
and I saw what his desire was for me as a husband and what he desired for me in a marriage relationship and that he wanted to be the center of that relationship. I was pruned by the Word of God. Pruned by the Word of God. And we have to be careful with that. And I would just encourage you to ask the Lord. And just ask the Lord, Father, I, need, I want to understand. I want to understand what this experience is about and how you want me to respond to it. And so be careful to ask for wisdom in this. So the Word of God is the tool. Pastor, does every experience of pruning have to be painful? No, it doesn't. Those of you who spend time in God's Word, reading the Scripture, reflecting on the Scripture, meditating on the Scripture, right now on Thursday mornings, the men and I are taking a different verse each week, and we are meditating on that verse every week, and then we come back and we talk about it. Um, there is a pruning that goes on just by your interaction with the Scripture. That as you read God's Word, as you make it part of your life, and He speaks to you, you begin to deal with things. And it, it, it prunes things in your life. And you say, I see it, I get it, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And you make those adjustments. And you make those changes. And so it doesn't have to hurt. But let me tell you this, most of the time pruning hurts. Most of the time it hurts. And you say, well, Pastor, why does, why does pruning hurt? Why is it that, and, you know, something happens, and I go to the Lord, and I say, God, what is this about? And, and the Father speaks truth to me, and I realize this is a pruning experience. Why does it hurt? Because when you trust something, and he wants you to stop trusting it, when you love something, and, he, and you're loving it more than him, he wants you to set that aside and not put that in such a, place in your life where it's like an idol when you love something when you trust something when you're passionate about something and you realize that you're not to go in that direction anymore and you're to let it go and you're to change direction and go in a different direction dear one it hurts now why because you love it so much you trust it so much you're passionate about that and you're having to let it go you ever tried to take something away from a child that you were concerned would hurt them they're about to drink something like poison it's got a skull and crossbones on the bottle. Uh, they're about to stick a metal a set of tweezers into a socket. My parents didn't catch me in time. Um, they're about to do something they shouldn't do, and you try to take that away from that child, and they don't want to let it go, what do they do? They scream. They fight you. They don't want to let it go. What are you doing as a parent? You're trying to save them their life. You're trying to promote life. You're trying to give them life. But you're having to peel their fingers off of the thing that's going to kill them. And peeling those fingers off, it hurts. And so, yes, pruning is painful. It doesn't have to be, but it's painful. And I'll tell you one of the ways you can make it easier on yourself is just to come to the Lord and to surrender to the Lord now and say, Father, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want in my life. Whatever you don't want in my life, I'm ready to let it go and surrender to him. One of the verses we studied recently said that we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. Jesus said that. To deny myself means it's not about what I want. It's about what the Father wants. And, and to do that every day, come before him, blank slate. Say, Father, whatever you want in my life today, I receive it. And I say thank you. Whatever you want me to do, Father, the answer is yes. And I'm going to follow you. Pastor, is there an example of this in the Scripture? There is. Before I read this example and, and we bring this to a close, 
please know that branches do not and cannot prune themselves. Before I read this story, I just want to remind you that the Word of God is the tool, but the hand that holds the tool is your Father. And your Father loves you. Your Father sent His own Son to die for you. He is not out to get you. He is out, not out to make life harder for you. He wants you to know the truth, and that truth will set you free. The example I found in Scripture, I was praying about this myself this week. And by the way, I've been home in bed for three days, and so if my voice sounds a little scratchy, that's why. And, um, but the Lord gave me this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. One of the great examples, I think, in the New Testament of a pruning experience in the life of a Christian. The Apostle Paul had an incredible vision. He had an incredible encounter with God. That vision, that encounter with God, he never describes. He never tells us what it was like. He never tells you what it was composed of. He never tells you what he saw. He never tells you what he experienced. He just tells you it happened. And then he tells us this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Listen. And lest I should be exalted above measure, that means puffed up or proud, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. And by the way, that first sentence is an interpreted uh, experience. He's interpreting what's happening to him. He believes that the reason this happened to him was because God did not want pride to be formed in his heart. But that was not the word that God gave him. But Paul's explaining to you his understanding of it. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. You want to know about the inner life of a disciple, there's a picture of it. He's not griping or complaining to anybody else. He's not even asking anybody else to pray for him. He's just saying, oh God, would you take this away? And he is in his fellowship with the Father. He's asking him. He says, I pleaded with him three times that he would take it away. And he said to me, here's the word. Here's the pruning. This is the tool. Changed everything for him. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My favor on your life, your relationship with me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, many times we think, oh God, give me strength. We think God's coming to prop us up. What if God's coming to knock the props out? And he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Literally, tabernacle on me, like a tent. Camp out on me. I'd rather be weak so that the power of God could rest on me. He's been pruned. I don't need to tell you about my revelations or my insights or my special encounters with God. 
Let me tell you about my weakness. Let me tell you about what God is doing so that he can work through me more powerfully, more fully than ever before. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, then I am strong. Paul's thorn in the flesh fits all the criteria of a pruning experience. To prevent the formation of pride, he reasoned this, but this was not the word that God spoke. Paul talked to the Lord about it. This is an example of the inner life. He's talking to the Lord. And then he receives a word from the Lord, and it enables him to know how to respond and walk through this. Understanding this enables him to rejoice. And his presence, the Father's presence, tabernacling on him all the more was the result. The concentration of the life of Christ evermore through the life of Paul. All of that life now was more than ever was coming through in Paul's life. This is the fruit, the greater manifesting of his life. When I am weak, then I am strong. What is the Father after? He's after fruit. It's the bottom line. And you and I can look at our experiences and we can say, God, get me out of this. God, strengthen me so I can get through this. But what if the Father's agenda is entirely different than yours? What if he doesn't, maybe in order to accomplish greater intimacy, greater trust, greater joy, he says, I'm going to leave you right where you are. Is that because he's mean and cruel? No, your Father loves you unlike anyone else in the universe. But he says, look, there are things that are keeping you from being close to me. There are things that are keeping you from being intimate with me. And I want you close to me. I want you near my heart. And so, Paul, I'm not taking away the thorn. Because, son, when you are weak, then you're strong. Here's all you need to hear, he says. My grace, my grace, my favor in your life. Your relationship with me is sufficient. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I know that this word comes at a time in a congregation or a room this size filled with people. This comes at a time when some of you, for some of you, this is not a theoretical study of Scripture. This is your experience right now. And the Lord is speaking to you, and he is speaking to you as he spoke to the Apostle Paul, and he has a word for you, and he has spoken that word. And at this moment, you have the opportunity to receive that and to put your trust more fully in him and say, Father, I, I don't know fully where this is going, but I am trusting you with all my heart that you know what's best. And instead of letting this thing drive me from you, I'm going to let it drive me to you because I know that whatever else happens in this experience that that's what you want me to do to draw near to trust you more to rest in your care
Perhaps this morning you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've been resisting doing that for a long time. People have shared Christ with you. You know what you ought to do. And now this morning you realize it's what you want to do. And you're ready to turn away from a life without Jesus, and you're ready to put your trust in him. Only Jesus can wipe away your sin. You can't wipe it away. And he can wipe away all your sin because he died for you on the cross. This morning, if you'll put your trust in Jesus, your sins can be forgiven, and he will begin a new life inside of you, a place where it's just you and him, and he will begin to change you from the inside out. Are you ready to trust Christ today? When we stand and sing in just a moment, whether you're upstairs in the balcony, downstairs, would you slip out and come? Grab one of these pastors by the hand and say, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. They'll guide you. They'll help, help you. They'll answer your questions. They'll take all the time you need. Come. Maybe you just need to pray with one of us. Maybe there's someone sitting there on the pew next to you or a couple pews away, and they're a dear brother or sister, and, and you're feeling moved to pray with them. Put your arm around them or ask them to just pray for you because of the, the experience, the pressure that's going on right now. Would you feel free to just follow the Holy Spirit in these next few moments and let him lead you?